Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Let's try that one more time. How are you doing? You got to be extra loud since we do, we're missing our young people this morning. So we need some people that are young at heart to be extra expressive this morning. So if that's you, uh, you're on. Anybody got the Christmas music out yet? Just, just curious. Okay, my wife told me that it's too early if I, if I put it on before Remembrance Day. Uh, so tomorrow, James Taylor, Christmas album. I get, it's, I'm dusting off the record, getting it ready to go. I got it on record last year. So going to play the vinyl uh, November 12th. James Taylor will be happening. Uh, I got a solid two months of letting that thing fly. So uh, it'll be good. Uh, welcome here. If you're new here in particular, welcome to you uh, if you're visiting, uh, and uh, we're glad that you're with us. We're talking, we're doing a series right now that we started last week called Our Story, and uh, it's reading the past and writing the future. I mean, all of us have a past. We all have uh, things that have happened in our lives that make us who we are, high points, low points, uh, you know, victories, challenges, and that shapes us as individuals. But what is true for us individually is also true for us corporately. If you think of uh, SunWest, because that's the faith community that we are a part of together, uh, SunWest, ha- SunWest has a corporate history. We have things that have shaped us. We have high points and low points in our past story that have made us who we are. You know, just like for us individually, you can't just walk away from the past and be somebody completely different because your past is part of you. And so this series is is an attempt to kind of look into the past to help us understand who is it that we are together. And what does that mean for who it is that God is calling us to be into the future? And whether you've been coming to SunWest for two weeks, I've met some people that have been here a couple of times. Uh, You're... Thank you for being part of our story. Or whether you've been coming for 20 years, thank you for being a part of our story. Uh, Willie and Gwen planted this church, Willie and Gwen Reimer, in 1995. And uh, a key verse for them, which we mentioned last week, was Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who was able to do through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. And so they had a vision for a church that God would do more than they could even imagine. A church that would see unchurched people meet Uh, the transforming person of Jesus Christ, a place where people would meet Jesus and walk in freedom, hope, healing. And many people came into a relationship with Jesus because of SunWest that was planted almost 25 years ago. My story started with SunWest about 15 years ago, just over 15 years ago. Uh, and I can remember, I, I was looking for an internship. I finished my Bible school uh, experience in a small town in Saskatchewan called Hepburn. How many of you guys have heard of Hepburn? We got a few uh, small towns. Okay, all right. Colton, as you, if you didn't know, is actually from Hepburn. So I went to Bible college in the town that Colton, our youth pastor, is from. And when I was done my three years there, I, was, I had to do a fourth year internship, and I I was going to marry a girl from Calgary named Lisa. I did marry her. It's the same Lisa that I'm married to now. And we decided uh, there's a couple of places that we could live, and Calgary was kind of high on the list because she was from Calgary, her family's from Calgary, uh, and there were some churches here that I could probably have an opportunity serving at. So I remember knocking on doors of churches, going from church to church, uh, and I actually went and visited churches. They didn't know who I was, just like, Straight up cold call, cold visit. Uh, hey, you don't know me. Can I do an internship here? No, no, no. I got, I got the door slammed on me. Uh, I hate to call Center Street out, but they, they met with me, and then they didn't. F- they said, "Yeah, we'll get back to you." And 15 years later, I'm wondering if I'm going to earn- intern there. Uh, they. Anyways, I, I, I had very little luck finding an internship, uh, and, and we we went to camp uh, that summer. Uh, and while I was at camp, I found out that uh, I had a connection. The president of the school I was part of knew Willie, who had planted this church in Calgary, uh, and they were open to having an intern. And so I did, a, uh, I did a phone interview in Prince George, had no idea who Willie was. Uh, he phoned me up, and uh, he interviewed me, asked me a few questions. I remember, uh, I don't remember all the questions he asked me, but I remember one specific question he asked me was, how do you hear God's voice? That was one of the questions he asked me. 
uh, and I gave him some nice, really good Bible school answer. I don't think that's what he was looking for now that I reflect back on it, but I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, so we came back to September, in September, to Calgary, ready to start my internship. I hadn't met anybody at SunWest, and Willie said, uh, we're, we're going on a pastor's retreat, and we'll pick you up on the way. And my in-laws live in Bear's Paw, and, and so I didn't know Calgary. And so I think Shag and Appy and Crowchild, we figured that was a good spot for them to pick me up. And so I remember my wife dropped me off with my suitcase. And I stood at the corner of Shag and Appy and Crowchild Trail. And he said, I'll be coming in a Toyota Sienna. And so I stood there on the side of the road, just like not knowing who was picking me up. You know, this Toyota, this Toyota Sienna rolls in. Nobody even got out of the vehicle that I can remember. I just, the sliding door opens. Okay. So I, you know, I walk over there and I, I get in the door and there was about six other pastors in there and I met them all for the first time and I squeezed in the back. Uh, they left a little nook for me right in the back by all the luggage and I sat there and uh, that was the beginning of my story uh, at SunWest. So it's not my story. This is, a, this is a story that predates me. It's a story that predates all of us and it's a story that predated Willie and Gwen because there was pieces in place before they even started this church. Our dreams all predate us. And our dreams would post-date us. Part of the reason it's important to talk about our story is because it's a way of honoring those who have come before us. It's a way of honoring what God has done in our past. But it's also a way of thinking forward and realizing that this is not actually our story. That God wants to do something in us and through us that goes beyond us and will outlast us. The story God is writing through your life is someone else's subplot. God wants to do something spectacular with your life, but just like a written story, if God's the actual author, we have to give him editorial control of our lives. I think there's three key kind of pieces, DNA pieces, that make SunWest who we are, that makes us us. And we chatted about these last week. Evangelical, charismatic, and a Baptist. And I talked about the word evangelical last week and... Um, you know, I think you caught most of it if you were here. Uh, we had a lot of technical difficulties. Uh, but just to, to, to debrief that one really quickly, evangelical. The root of that word is euangelion, which means good news, gospel, evangelism. And the heart of SunWest at the very beginning is people, like I said, people come, and know, come to know Jesus that didn't know Jesus previously. They would come into a transformative relationship with him. And because of that, we, see, we tried to be seeker-sensitive which means we wanted to be culturally relevant. And so the way that we did things was to be accessible as possible, which was really powerful, which was really good. We had people that had never darkened the door of a church or hadn't in decades actually come to SunWest and either meet Jesus for the first time or be reintroduced to Jesus and find new life in him again. It was a beautiful part of our story. It is a beautiful part of our story. One thing that we realized over the last couple of decades, and we, we aren't the only church to to recognize that, many other churches who tried the seeker-sensitive model would tell you something similar, that when people come to meet Jesus in an environment that seeks to be as accessible as possible, as soon as they are actually asked to make Jesus Lord of their lives and to get uncomfortable, it feels like a bit of a bait and switch. It's like, well, that's not the reason I came here. You guys made this accessible. You made it comfortable. And but Jesus, as Lord, invites us to actually pick up our crosses and follow him, deny ourselves, and find new life in him. And so our, the heartbeat of SunWest is to make Jesus as accessible as possible, but not to be uncompromising in the fact that Jesus comes to be Lord of our lives. Jesus comes to be Lord of our lives. And so we talked about that in terms of discipleship growth stages. I won't, I won't repeat that piece. You can go back and listen to it last week. But basically, we're just saying that Jesus invites us to mature spiritually, not just physically. And it's okay. It's great when you come into life, when, you, when there's new life. That's what John in John chapter 3 calls being born again. And you actually have new life with God. But it's not okay to stay in a spiritual infant. God invites us to experience maturity. In fact, right after Ephesians 3.20, that key verse for William Gwen that God would do more than we ask and imagine, it goes into Ephesians 4.1, which says, I urge you now to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. 
to live a life worthy, to, to grow up, to actually take on responsibility, to step into the purpose that God created you for. It's not a passive thing, it's an active thing. The one other key verse I'm going to highlight this morning is Luke 4.18. If you were to talk to Willie and Gwen, what, what were the core verses? You would hear about Ephesians 3.20, and then you would hear about Luke 4.18, which I know that Willie felt was a specific verse for him in that season when he came to plant the church. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. SunWest history is about trying to help people find freedom. The freedom we long for isn't possible without the work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has been writing our story since 1995 and before that. Yet we continually, like I said, need to give him editorial control over how he wants to write that story as we move forward. And so this brings me to the second kind of core piece of who I believe SunWest is. Not only are we evangelical, we're about the good news of Jesus, we're also charismatic. Now that word has a lot of connotations around it. Depending on where you come from, you might think of different things as you think about that word. If you look at the definition of charismatic, if you looked it up in the dictionary, it would say a person who possesses special traits that attract, inspire, or fascinate other people, a person possessing charisma. In other words, charismatic can mean personality. You can have a charismatic personality. And so I don't know what you think of when you think of a charismatic personality. I was trying to think this morning. Who has a charismatic personality? I thought of this guy. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground there, I spent most of my days chilling out, maxing, relaxing on cool, and shooting some b-ball outside of the school when a couple of guys, they were up to no good, started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight, and my mom got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. So... Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on TV at about 4 o'clock when I got home from school all my whole life, so uh, I could give you that whole uh, intro rap for you. But anyways, Will Smith, Will Smith, one example of a charismatic personality, you could, we could put hundreds of people up in there and say, that's a charismatic person. They, they have a personality, and it's loud, and it's big, and you know that's one way of using the word charismatic. That way is an unspiritual way of using the word charismatic, not to say you're unspiritual if you have a charismatic personality, but that's different than the second use of the word, which is a member of a religious group or movement that stretches the seeking of direct divine inspiration or charisms or charisms. I don't know how you say that word. Movement that stretches the seeking of direct divine inspiration and charisms I might not be able to pronounce it, but I'll tell you what it means. The root of it is charis, which comes from Greek, uh, the Greek word, uh, which means gift of grace, favor freely given. And then the expounded idea of that in Scripture is the gift of God's Spirit. The gift of God's Spirit. That God has freely given us himself. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. You can't try harder. You can't get louder. You can't, you know, think more. You can't, you, you know, there's nothing that you can actually do to make God give you his spirit. He has freely given it. It's a gift. But you need to receive it. So when we talk about charismatic, I'm not talking about personality. I'm not talking about what it looks like, what it sounds like. I'm talking about the essence and the, the idea that God has freely given us his Holy Spirit. And that we have an opportunity to receive his Spirit. Not only once, but continually. We don't have time to teach on all these pieces this morning, but the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit happens over and over and over and over again in Scripture. It's not, it's not like a one-time thing that God gives us a Spirit when we come to his family, yes. But then he continually fills us with his Spirit. So the Spirit comes from... Numa or ruach, everybody say numa. That's the Greek word, ruach is the Hebrew word. Uh, you know, one is, the Hebrew is obviously in the Old Testament, and then the New Testament written in Greek. And, and these words mean the same thing. Breath, spirit, wind. Everybody breathe. Now breathe on your neighbor. 
Play a little experiment. See if they can tell what you ate this morning and what you didn't eat. Or if you brushed it. No, just kidding. Okay, so spirit, breath, wind. It's the same word. And so we see this, this theme, this idea from the beginning, the very, very beginning of Scripture, all the way to the very end of Scripture. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was formless and empty. The darkness and darkness covered the deep waters. The spirit, the ruach of God was hovering over the waters. The wind of God, the breath of God, the spirit of God was there in the very beginning. Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and the man became a living person. The man became alive. And if you pay attention to the biblical story, what you will, if you have the ears to hear and the eyes to see it, you'll realize that God made man alive. But because of the choices that man made, even though he was living, he actually wasn't truly living. Even though he was breathing, he actually wasn't truly alive. That wasn't as simple as being physically alive and physically dead. There was a spiritual life and a spiritual death that was also a part of the biblical story. And so we know in Genesis 3 that humanity turned their backs on God and decided to be, even though they're physically alive, to be spiritually dead, which would ultimately have also a physical impact, which would be our physical death as well. We see ideas like this in, for example, in the prophet, of Eze- prophet Ezekiel. He said, the Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all am- around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become a living person again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you alive again. Now remember, he's talking to people that were physically living, but the the prophetic image was that they weren't spiritually alive. I am going to put breath into you and make you alive make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And if you keep going through the biblical story, you see that Jesus called disciples to himself, people to follow him. That, made, that were physically alive, but spiritually they weren't as alive as God created them to be. And so in John 20, we have a significant event after Jesus died on the cross. He was resurrected. And then he comes back and meets with his disciples. And he says, again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So what God did in creation by breathing into the dust and helping humanity come alive, helping Adam come alive, John And John 20 is echoing that, also fulfilling what Ezekiel was talking about and and saying that God is doing a new thing. He's actually creating a new creation, Not not one that is separate from the old, but one that is within the old. Even though we're physically alive, that the Spirit of God is actually bringing spiritual life for those who want to receive it. And so he breathed his breath, his spirit, the wind of God into his disciples for a purpose. And that's important. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. He breathed into them, not just so they could become alive, but that they would go forward with the purpose for which they were created. And we see a similar thing happening in Acts after the resurrection of Jesus. All the believers were meeting together in one place and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. So here we see this image of wind again. Filled the house where they were sitting and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there's some people that um, are Christians that actually don't believe in the filling of the Spirit, but if you were going to believe that, you would actually have to ignore the whole, scripture, the whole story of Scripture. Um, and we don't have time to talk about that now, but if you haven't taken the Hearing God course, one of the, uh, the first lessons we do is actually talking about that, that the, the Holy Spirit is alive and active today, just as he always has been. In John 10, one of my favorite verses, the thief's purpose is to still steal, 
kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So if you've been around SunWest, you've heard me talk about this word life. And there's two words for life. Uh, the first one, just talking about our biology, is what? Can anybody remember? Bios. That's where we get the word biology from. It just means you're alive. You're, when you breathe, that smelly breath on your neighbor, that told you that you were alive, you were physically alive. So congratulations, you're living. Welcome here. Uh, the second word that can be used for life in the Greek is what? Zoe. And zoe means a fulfilling life, a thriving life, the life that you were created to live. This is the life I think Ezekiel was talking about. This is the life that John 20 is talking about. This is the life that started to happen when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost in the New Testament, or after Jesus' resurrection in the New Testament. This is a thriving. Some of us are just surviving. Some of us are just going through the motions of life. But if we were to actually get into a deeper conversation, you might tell me that you might be surviving, but you know that you're not living the intended life that maybe God created you to live. And maybe you don't even know what that life is. But the Spirit of God comes and breathes Zoe life into those who are willing to receive it. And so this has always been a part of the story of Sun West. That we believe that God wanted to breathe life and take us from the ordinary into the extraordinary. And I don't mean extraordinary in terms of personality. I mean extraordinary in terms of the full life that God created us for. And so if we go back to our history, and again, you might have been here 20 years and some of this will be familiar to you. You might be here two weeks and this will be news to you, but you need to know this is part of what shaped us. We, we had uh, freedom in Christ sessions long before I was here. That, were, uh, that was part of a small group curriculum that people could take to actually identify the things that were holding them hostage and preventing them from moving on to the full life that God had for them. We did, uh, we did alphas. We still do alphas. Um, and, but a significant part of alpha is the Holy Spirit weekend. You know, where, uh, where after, I think it's 10 weeks, or after doing the alpha weeks, uh, you would have a Holy Spirit weekend, and then you would invite the Holy Spirit to fill you uh, and to breathe life into you. That, that was happening for decades uh, we had Brad Jerzak. Uh, anybody remember Brad Jerzak? A few of you, a few of you guys. So we had Brad Jerzak in 2006 uh, come to Sun West, and uh, he did some teaching on hearing God's voice. Uh, he uh, he wrote a beautiful book on hearing God's voice that we still use in our kids, uh, our children's curriculum, and our youth curriculum. And part of our hearing God voice uh, is is based off of some of that teaching from Brad's book. Uh, and he taught us about hearing the voice of God, that God's is speaking, that he wants to speak to everybody, no matter who you are. doesn't matter what your story is. I believe that God wants to speak to you. And that's part of what Brad brought to us in 2006. In 2006 was also the first time that Willie, our lead pastor, uh, went to Bethel and sat under the teaching of Bill Johnson in Bethel and, and learned some things about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works there. Out of that, we had something called Extending Kingdom Ministries that started. And Extending Kingdom Ministries was basically uh, a group of people that believed that, you know, God's Spirit wanted to, to actually breathe life into our corporate body. And so uh, that group kind of developed, you know, how do we teach? How do we move this forward? How do we help our body become more available and ready uh, for the Holy Spirit if he wants to move? It was intended to help develop the gifts of the Spirit at Sun West, Extending Kingdom Ministries. It would close... Uh, that ministry would close down a few years later, but that was a significant part of our story. Bruce Collins. Was anybody here when Bruce Collins came? One of the times. Bruce Collins actually came a couple of times. Uh, in 2007, he came to Sun West, and he was part of, he's part of a ministry in England uh, called New Wine Ministries. And so the reason that Bruce came, because uh, I think on one of Willie's uh, sabbaticals, he was in England, and he had met uh, Bruce there, and he invited Bruce to come to Sun West. And so Bruce came to Sun West. In 2007, and this was one of the most personally impacting times for me, uh, spending a week with Bruce then, and then we would spend a week with him again later, a couple years, when, a couple years later when he would come. Uh, and so we had worship services that week he was here. We had healing services. There was, uh, he was teaching and spending time with our staff. Uh, I remember Bruce uh, prophesying and, and speaking over me that, uh, you know, I just feel like God's calling you to be a preacher and a teacher. In 2007, um, 
So here we are. Uh, one of the things we learned from Bruce that was really important, uh, and, and that I'm going to come back to in a minute, was Bruce, when we talk about charismatic personality and the charismatic belief of the Holy Spirit working, uh, Bruce was naturally supernatural. And that's actually what he invited us to be as a community, to be naturally supernatural. Don't try and be somebody you're not. But what does it mean to actually walk in the fullness of the Spirit and be fully you? He, he told us that as individuals, but I would also ask that question corporately. What does it mean for us to walk in the fullness of the Spirit and be fully us? Also in 2007, Brad Jerzak came back, and we had a dwell retreat uh, that year, and a few of us uh, went out to Kingsfold, and he led us at that time. Um, after that, we had Chris Pemberton, who was also from New Wine uh, Ministries. And, and if, I remember this, if I'm remembering this correctly, Chris Pemberton had lost his wife either, I think, a year prior to when he came. And when he came, he spoke to us about the tension of actually having hope and faith and belief in what God wants to do in this world, but holding that intention with the reality that his wife passed away and he had to deal with that sickness and that disappointment, uh, but still hold on to the conviction that God is good. And he taught us about that and he modeled that for us. And then in, uh, oh, I don't have the year here, but a short time later, uh, Willie and some other uh, people from SunWest, Pastor Drew, uh, who's uh, the, our pastor at Mackenzie Lake Campus, that's now uh, Summit Church, uh, went on a mission trip to Mozambique with other SunWesters, and they were deeply impacted by the ministry to the poor in Mozambique, uh, and deeply Im impacted by the ministry of Heidi Baker. And so Heidi Baker taught uh, our SunWesters while we were there what it means to actually be out on mission, but be on mission full of the Spirit. And actually waiting on the Spirit to, to lead and being on mission behind God's leading. And while they were there, they met a guy named Bob Ekblad. I don't know if you guys remember Bob Ekblad, but Bob, Bob does a prison ministry. And Bob's a fascinating guy. And, and he was part of that mission trip in Mozambique. And then uh, later, I think the following year, Bob came to SunWest and got to spend some time with us as staff. And I think he did speak on a Sunday. Uh, but I got the job of being Bob's chauffeur around the city while he was here, and which was awesome because I got to pick his brain all week and I got to ask him questions. And I remember from Bob, one of the things that he taught me was uh, if, if you have a desire to have a gift of the Spirit or you have a desire to have a certain type of ministry or life and it's not happening, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to give it to you, but he actually planted the desire in you for a reason and a purpose. And he wants you to pursue it. He wants you to ask him for it. He wants you to be unrelenting in your asking God to bring that into your life. And that's part of what I personally remember from, from Bob. Um, Bob also did some other things in his ministry. Like I said, he had a prison ministry. And he would get prison mates to read the Bible together. He would get them to read the Bible. And they would discover the beauty of who God is as they read the scriptures together. And he would get prison mates to pray for each other for healing uh, even when they didn't have faith in Jesus yet. I, I remember like Bob was talking about this, like, this is wild. And he'd have, there'd be healings happening in the prison ministry. Uh, and a guy who didn't even know if he believed in Jesus would, would heal his, heal his, uh, his prison mate. Uh, and God would show up in the prison cells. It's a fascinating thing because part of what Bob believed is, is that if he would just go around and do the ministry that God was calling him to do, then people would see him as the personality or the person through whom God was working. And part of what was life transforming for the people that Bob worked with was coming to a realization that, Bob, that God would want to work through even them. And I'll just pause here and say one of the downfalls of having, going back through our story and looking at these different personalities is to think that, oh, that those people brought the Holy Spirit. And Bob would tell you that no, his conviction and his belief was that the Holy Spirit wants to work among us. And sometimes, uh, you know, Bob, and if you've met him, he's a very unassuming guy. And I thought he was really boring. Uh, but that was part of the beauty of how God made him. He just, he just gave ministry away. And people would realize that God could work through even them. As a side note, another side note, I learned years later when I was reading 
Bruce Coburn's, who's one of my favorite musicians, uh, I was reading his autobiography, and throughout his autobiography, he's talking about Bob Eckblad. Uh, and I was like, is this the same Bob Eckblad? And then I researched, and I was like, it's the same, it's the same guy. And if I could go back, he's, he's good friends with Bruce Coburn. If I go back to the week I could spend with Bob Eckblad, I'd be asking him not only questions about the Holy Spirit, but I'd be asking him questions about Bruce Coburn. I was like, tell me about Bruce. Anyways, that's a, a little fun fact. And we had Sozo Ministry, which is a prayer ministry out of Bethel. Uh, we had some Sun Westers, Carla Berg, Kim Dreger, uh, and other people that uh, began, uh, well, Carla and Kim led the ministry. We had other, many Sun Westers that were a part of this and began this ministry at Sun West in 2014. And it, it's an inner healing ministry. It, it basically exists to help people experience freedom. Sozo means saved, healed, delivered. We'll come back to that in a second. And it's a prayer ministry that seeks to identify uh, by the person uh, who comes actually listening to God themselves, identifying maybe the things that are preventing them from, from receiving and living in the fullness that God has for them. Uh, and, and so Sozo for years was a powerful part of what was happening every, every Monday night at SunWest of a way for people to find freedom in the relationship with God. And we had David Parker come from part of Desert Vineyard Church in Lancaster, California. He was with us for a week and uh, he leads, you know, he would tell us stories about uh, how God was moving in his church in California, uh, and they were, like, right in, like, uh, the entertainment capital of the world, and they would have, like, these adult film stars and families coming to church together, sitting beside each other in church. And he said, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it just gets messy and crazy. Uh, and I remember that from Dave, uh, inspired by him. And recently, in 2017, uh, all of our staff, from 2016 to 17. Um, and some others actually went to Southland Church in Steinbeck, Manitoba, uh, where they have uh, some fascinating things that God is doing among them. And, uh, and we all experience that in some form as a staff. They did a ch- church renewal weekend, and, uh, and their heart is to renew pastors to renew their churches. You know, so the heart is, if, if leaders can be renewed, then they would actually participate in renewing their churches. The Holy Spirit cannot be given to a side ministry. And I want to pause here also and just, and just say one of my observations in SunWest's story, in our story, uh, is that I think too often we said, there's charismatic folks over here. Let's give them the ministry. And part of that allowed it to be separate. Um, and so the rest of the church can kind of continue to function as usual, but the Holy Spirit wants to work with those people. We'll, we'll give them a side ministry. Uh, and what I've been realizing is that there's no such thing as a side ministry when it comes to the Holy Spirit. You, 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 you cannot portion it out to another group of people and expect that it's going to have a foundational, systemic effect on the church. It will always just, as a result, create tension and division in the wider church. And so part of what I I believe is that our leaders, our pastors, actually have to live in renewal. And it's only then, without kind of pushing it aside to a different group over there, uh, that it can become systemic in our church. And so I'm a part of uh, church renewal mentoring, and we've been doing that for a few years now. Uh, and, And it's just personally enriching for me. It's part of what it means for me to renew myself and learn what it means to live life full of the Spirit and, and hopes that um, the Spirit will move freely and this will be a systemic thing, foundational in the wider uh, community of Sun West. In Acts 2, it says that all of the believers receive the Spirit. And so the Spirit just isn't for a few people. That's okay if they receive the Spirit, function in the Spirit. No, the... It's actually for everybody. So that's a bit of our story. I want to talk a little bit about now and future. I was journaling this past week on Thursday morning in 2 Kings 18, and I have this little chair that I uh, journal in most mornings, uh, and I, uh, I do my devotional readings, and I, uh, I listen in prayer in that chair. And uh, in this past Thursday morning, I was reading in 2 Kings 18. And let me read the... There's a verse there, but let me read the 
the wider context, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, began to rule over Judah in the third year of King Hoshea's reign in Israel. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrine, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He, spoke, he broke the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Nahushtan. Now, this verse that you see on the screen just jumped out at me. He broke the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. And I was just reflecting uh, in the Old Testament, in the Exodus, the bronze serpent was this moment where God actually showed up in a supernatural way for the people of Israel. And now we have the story in 2 Kings where Hezekiah believes that that thing actually became an idol, and so they broke it. And if you go back to the story with Moses, in Numbers 21, then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by the snake could look at it, could look at the bronze snake and be healed. So Numbers 21. So God provides the snake for people to look at, and so when they look at it, they actually receive healing. And then you get the 2 Kings 18. Hezekiah smashes it or breaks it because the thing, the personality, the object through which God showed up in the past had actually become a distraction from the new thing that God wanted to do in the present. Sometimes we can mistaken the thing for the thing itself. Sometimes we can mistaken the personality from the essence itself. I believe that's what was happening in 2 Kings. And we go to John chapter 3, right before the most famous verse in the Bible. It says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life, eternal zoe, thriving, full life. And God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world, to sozo the world, that's what the word is, through him. God wants to bring full, zoe, thriving life, not someday in heaven, but today. That, that is the gift that the Spirit brings. And when the Spirit comes, he sozos us, he saves us. Sozo means saved, healed, delivered. Jesus here is actually, he uses the image of, uh, of, sorry, in Numbers, when Moses puts the snake up and he says, that was just pointing to this reality. Don't mistake in the form, the personality, how it looks for the actual essence, which is God himself in the flesh through his spirit, bringing Zoe life. And so whatever we do, whatever function we have, whatever model we have, whatever ministry we have, whatever personality we have, whatever speaker we bring in, whatever uh, church uh, we, we have actually been influenced by over the years, it's not those personalities, it's not those churches, it's, it's none of those things. It's the spirit himself that has used people and things in our past to actually bring us freedom, to bring us Zoe but let's make no mistake about it. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God through his spirit bringing and breathing life into us as individuals and us as a church. It's not a snake. It's not anything. And just to make my point again, in Mark 2.22, 
This is where the new wine, the ministry that Chris Pemberton and Bruce Collins were part of, this is where they get their name from. Wine, uh, it says, uh, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. Wine could be kept in either jars or, jars or wineskins, but the latter, the wineskins, would stretch. And so old wineskins already had been stretched to capacity, and if they were uh, by the fermenting wine that was in them, if they were to put new wine in them that would ferment in those old wineskins, those old wineskins would burst. What's being said here, what Jesus is basically saying is the spirit, when the Spirit comes and does a new thing, you actually can't look to old things to contain the new thing. God wants to do something new, and it might call for new wineskins. It might call for, for, for it to look different than it has in the past. But I believe that regardless of what it is that God wants to save, he wants to heal, he wants to deliver, this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. In John 10.10, 10, I referred to this already, but I want to focus on another word. The thief's purpose is to still steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So we talked about the word life. And I, I have to, full confession here, I have mispreached this verse for a very, very, very long time. And I, I was ignorant to it. Because I always taught that the thief was the devil who comes to still, steal. I keep saying still. Still kill. Uh, steal and kill and destroy. And that is true. It's not that I taught you something that was untrue because we learned in 1 Peter 5 that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, so we know that's true. But the context here in John is actually in reference, if you go back to the first nine verses of that chapter, to the Pharisees and the religious system. We have religious systems and we have Pharisees and we have, you know, obviously the law and those systems were ways that God worked in the past. But what Jesus is referring to here is that there's a past that these Pharisees are hanging on to, and it's actually squeezing the Zoe life out of what God is trying to do. There's a way that God showed up in the past that now we hang on to that thing, that way, and we just bring it into the present. We, we hang on to that model, that personality, whatever it is, and it's actually squeezing out the Zoe life that God wants to bring in the present. My purpose, Jesus says, is to bring Zoe life now. Don't cling to the past. Don't cling to your religious systems. Be open to the new. So whether it's a Pharisee, religious system, a bronze snake, a wineskin, what we see in Scripture is that we cannot hang on to the personality or the, however it's presented or the model or whatever it is because we have a tendency as human beings to mistake in the work of the Spirit for a work of a person or a church or a model and so this morning is a way of honoring our past, for me honoring our past, saying this has shaped who we are. And it's given us a belief and a trajectory that the Holy Spirit wants to move in and do a new thing. But it's also giving us freedom as a body to say, just because it looked a certain way in the past doesn't mean that it has to look that way in the future. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, because he's knowing me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. I mentioned this verse already, but I want to focus on the two things that we talk about in starting point week two, and that's that he wants to bring freedom for prisoners, set the oppressed free, that freedom is part of what the Holy Spirit brings. You are a prisoner because of something that you've done, right? The Bible teaches us that we're all prisoners because of choices that we've made. We're prisoners because of what we've done. You're oppressed because of what someone else has done to you. We also learn in scriptures that we are shaped by the actions of other people. And so all of us in this room are some combination of prisoners and oppressed that are in need of freedom from what we've chosen, the things that we've chosen, and in need of freedom from the things that other people have inflicted upon us. Now I've told my story many times um, from the stage, referred to it, uh, and, and I, I know, you know I, I want to share just a little bit about my history with pornography. And I know I've heard people say, you know, why do you always talk about this? I was like, well, it's my story, so 
you know, I can't tell other people's story for them. And so when I need to tell a story, I look at my own story and I say, how has this shown up in my life? Now, I've talked about this story um, in a way that has communicated my journey, my struggle, my wrestling with this in my past. But I have actually not told the whole story. I have not told my path to freedom. And part of the reason I haven't told that story was, is because I know uh, for many people are caught in addiction and, and struggles such as this one and others that are participating in an ongoing battle with whatever that thing is. And I have seen people uh, who have been miraculously freed from things that actually impose that on other people and say, you know, God freed me from this, so he must want to free you from that. Uh, and it has to look this way. And I, I, did, I wrestled with whether to tell this part of my story, but I really felt like uh, God was telling me to share this. Because I have, prevent, I, I ha, I have not told it, and I have actually robbed um, you and God of a testimony of freedom that I think is important. You know, so... Pornography was part of my struggle and my journey for a long time. And it started at an early age, before any boy should be able to look at that. And it sunk its teeth into me. And it's something that I journeyed with throughout my teenage years, throughout my young adult years, into my marriage and into the time when I started at SunWest. And, it, you know, if you talk to my wife, we could tell you painful stories of how that kind of played out in the beginning of our marriage. And it's never something I tried to hide. It was always something I, I tried to work through. And uh, through friends, through accountability, through confession, through prayer. Um, you know, my life was an open book. I, and, you know, there was people here at church that I would... So it wasn't a matter of me uh, not being open or wanting to deal with it. I was very active in dealing with it. I would just say that it was a battle for a couple of decades of my life. And even when I was experiencing freedom for stretches of time, it wasn't like it was freedom uh, where I felt completely free from it. There was always like a temptation or a, um, or a voice or a, uh, like it was just like this cloud that was always, even if it wasn't raining, it was, it was there. And I knew it was there. Uh, and I want to go back to a few years ago uh, where... I was with some folks uh, even at, here at SunWest and we did a confession and prayer time together. Uh, and I just, wanna, I just want you to know and I want to testify and I, I feel like this is important for me to share that in that moment when I confessed and I was prayed for, for whatever reason, because it wasn't the first time that I'd done it, I'd, I'd been part of things like that for decades. I can remember being at, in camp ministry when I was a high school kid and, and weeping on the floor at the, at the Bible camp that I was working at because I just wanted God to take this thing from me. I can remember being at Bible school and like weeping with other guys and like I just, I need to be free from this. I can remember, uh, you know, the lowest of lows with my, with my wife in her early years of marriage just saying, uh, like, I'm a screw up. What do I do? And so this is not, this is not the first time uh, but for whatever reason, uh, in that moment, God freed me from something that I had wrestled with my whole life. Uh, to the point now that for the last few years, I have, uh, it, it has not been a struggle. It has not been uh, a temptation. That cloud that I felt like was always around is, is gone. Uh, I, I, I don't know how else to explain it, other than that the Holy Spirit, for whatever for whatever reason, at that moment in time, decided, okay, that's done. You're free from that. You're free from being imprisoned by that. And I was in prison because of choices that I had made. And so part of the reason I share that story uh, is because I understand when someone is wrestling for freedom, contending for freedom, and it's not easy. And 
And I want to apologize to you for those moments where the charismatic comes to you and says, you know, you just need more faith. So I'll tell you, for decades, I had faith. For decades, I was desperate. For decades, I was hungry. For decades, I was thirsty. And I don't know why God chose one moment in time to free me and he didn't the hundreds of other times. But I also want to say that God does miraculously set free and heal people. And I don't understand God's timing in those things. But I do know that he brings freedom through wrestling, through accountability, through transparency, through vulnerability, through confession, and it's a battle. And if you're battling with something, keep battling, keep contending, because I believe that's part of the process. That you can experience freedom, and it might feel like a battle. I experienced freedom lots before that moment. But I had to fight for it. But I also believe that there's miraculous set freeing that God wants to do among us and in you and in me. And it might come after 20 years. I don't know. But I believe that the Spirit comes to bring Zoe life, and I believe that at the core of my being. So whether you're a prisoner from choices you've made or whether you're oppressed because of choices that other people have made to you, I don't know if your story is going to be, you know, God's going to show up like that and change everything. It might be decades. But I know that the Spirit wants to work with you and in you and encourage you in the journey. The Holy Spirit, if you look through through scriptures, the Holy Spirit comes, he brings courage, he brings boldness, he brings freedom, forgiveness. He, He erases bitterness, he brings joy. He brings faithfulness, peace, love, kindness, patience, self-control, gentleness. He brings assurance. He brings identity as a son and daughter of God that you don't have to guess about your standing with God. He brings hope. He brings faith. He brings understanding. He brings wisdom. Why wouldn't we want to be filled with the Spirit? So part of what this looks like going forward, now I'm going to talk about something I'm not contradicting myself. I'm not, I, I am not, there are, there are tools and things that we use, but they're not the thing themselves. So one of the things we're doing right now is hearing God. I don't think hearing God is the end all and be all. But like I said, I believe that God wants to do something systemically through the body of SunWest. Uh, and it's not going to be, it, you know, you, you, people have probably been annoyed. Like, why do you keep inviting us to hearing God? Why do you keep telling us to do this? It's like, I'm not going to actually subcontract this out to a separate ministry. This is foundational to who we are at SunWest and what we're doing. Our kids' ministry learns about listening prayer. Our junior highs do hearing God for junior highs. And we want every person who's a part of the SunWest family to know and understand that God speaks to you. Going back to Bob Ekblad's thing, that he did, you don't need a separate personality to speak to you for God. He actually has given you access to his very presence and he's speaking all the time. He wants his sheep to know his voice. And so I'm uncompromising on this. And whether we trash hearing God and we call it something else, this is the essence of what we're talking about, is helping people hear God's voice. And we've been doing that for a long time at SunWest. It just looks a little different now. And that's part of the way we do it is through that five-week class. Something else that's coming up is a set free. And these will be weekends. These will be Friday, Saturday weekends. Uh, and I'm going to share just a really quick video so you give you a picture. When, when our staff in our... Uh, some of our Sun Westers went to Southland, the church in Steinbeck uh, that I received mentoring for. What we participated in was a set free weekend. And let me just show you just a picture for them of what set free looks like. It will look different for us, but this will give you a taste of where we're going and what's coming. Luke 3, verse 8 bear fruit in keeping in repentance. That means we are growing in freedom. That means we're growing out of sinful bondages, growing into righteousness. It also means we're growing our character. All of those things are pieces of bearing the fruit of repentance in our lives. When I was pregnant with my first, I went through a really difficult time. It's something I've dealt with kind of in pieces, but I haven't totally ever gotten healing from. One of the things that God spoke to me this weekend was just where he was during that time and how proud he was of me and also how it grew me. For so long, I've tried with my own strength, getting healing and switching things in my brain around. 
And today I realized that it's just a simple prayer of repentance and surrendering that just changes everything. He just met me where I was at. I've been very emotional lately and just had so many questions and he met me exactly where I, I was at. He spoke to me and just freed me from just different fears and anxieties that I had and yeah, it was cool to see that. Now I could break my barriers and God just infiltrates it with his love and grace, you know. This weekend for me was amazing. I love the practical aspect of it and how we go off into groups and how it's so simple and how there is no formula but we all can be free and it's just really incredible meeting God here together. It brought such freedom knowing that my value is based solely on God and his love and what the price that he paid for me and I just really appreciate this conference and how you can be set free just by the Holy Spirit speaking directly into your heart of truth. Confession is the beginning of any path that leads to freedom. The simple power of just sitting there and confessing my sin to another. James says, confess your sins to one another to be healed. And the Lord in his infinite mercy and grace has designed it so that when we confess the things that we did wrong, it then sets us free. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. That word is sozo. So that you may find freedom. That you may be saved. You may be delivered. You may be healed. I don't know what that looks like for you. Uh, you know, that's Southland Church on the screen. Uh, but again, that's just a personality. That is not the essence. It's going to look different from us. And coming back to Bruce Collins' comment, I believe God is calling us to be naturally supernatural, to be authentically us. You know, part of my journey in understanding the Holy Spirit is I didn't have to be somebody else. I didn't have to act like somebody else. I didn't have to make SunWest try and be a different church, but we just had to let the Holy Spirit come into us. When the Holy Spirit fills us, he fills us in our persons, in our personalities. So going back to our mission statement we talked about last week, to guide all people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. No pretense, no pretending. We just want the Spirit to show up in our lives and our church and to set us free so that we can be about the things he's called us to be about. When Jesus brings freedom, you don't have to become somebody else. You don't have to take on a certain personality. You don't have to worry about the charismatic in terms of definition number one. We don't have to be Will Smith. We don't have to become a rapper. We don't have to be Bethel. We don't have to be Iris. We don't have to be Southland. We don't have to be uh, New Wine. We don't have to be like Bruce Collins. We don't have to be like any of those things. Or Brad Jerzak. You can be you. I can be me and we can be us. But we are brought together because of the Spirit. We want to become the people God has created us to be. So I ended with this last week. I'm, I want to close with this again. The church I see, you can't read it. It's a 1,589-word vision statement. It breaks all the vision statement rules. Uh, so we're in the process of making it a short statement. But let me highlight for you a couple of things that we talked about in this vision series a year ago. I see a church that isn't afraid to get its hands dirty. I see a church that is willing to go into its past and dig up wells the enemy poured dirt into to find life. I see a church that isn't just being content with wells that our fathers dug up before us, but is willing to dig up new wells to find new sources of life. So even a year ago, we were already talking about differentiating between old models and old wells and old sources of life, old sources of Zoe life, and saying God might want to dig new wells and do new things. And so we want to honor the past. We want to maybe dig up wells that we got to dig up, but we also want to dig new wells that God is saying, dig here, dig now. The church I see is full of people that recognize their status as sons and daughters of God. The, the security and identity gives them courage and fortitude to face whatever life throws their way. I see individuals that have been set free from the from whatever has happened in their past that has prevented them from walking in their identity as a child of God. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but this church will co-labor with God to return what has been stolen, to bring to life what has died, and to restore what's been destroyed. The church I see is busting at the seams with people who know firsthand, and listen to this, that intimacy with God leads to passion for God, and that leads to compassion for others. You know where that line came from? That line came from Heidi Baker. Heidi Baker from the Mozambique mission trip over a decade ago, that intimacy with God leads to passion for God and it leads to compassion for others. And there's a part of our DNA that is in that statement. And that's why I put it in here. God wants to bring us freedom. 
In Revelation 3, verse 20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any of you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and, he will, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on the throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone who he, with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Do you know who Jesus was talking to through John right here? He was talking to a church. He was talking to Christians. He was talking to people who are all already gathering regularly. And he is saying, I stand at the door and knock. Sometimes we've heard this verse referenced in terms of uh, people that need to open their heart for the first time to Jesus. And that's a good thing. But that's not what this verse is actually talking about. This verse is saying that you Christians, you people that regularly gathered, have actually closed out my presence from your home from your heart, from your gathering. And sometimes we feel like we've got to clean the house before we let somebody in, before we let a guest in. I don't know if you guys have that room in your house. Does anybody have that room in their house where you just take all your crap and you throw it in there? Say, honey, there's, there's company coming over. You got, you got the crap drawer. I was like, throw everything in the crap drawer. You got the crap room. Throw, take all that stuff, throw it in that room. Ah, look, my house is ready. And... But until that's all ready, we actually don't open the door for the guest. That's not the way the gospel works. The gospel works the other way. That Jesus is saying, you actually can't clean your house on your own. You can't clean your space. You can't free up your space on your own. You actually need the power of the Spirit partnering with you. So would you let me in? Don't clean it up. Just let me in. I don't know the reasons that you might have closed the door to the Spirit in your life. It might have been a personality. I, I, I've heard that story over and over again, and I understand it. I've had traumatic, uh, uncomfortable experiences with certain people, uh, charismatic personalities that have tried to impose a certain model or thing on me from the Holy Spirit, and I've actually had to work through, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and I've seen enough of the beauty of what the Spirit does to know that whatever model, whatever personality that comes in, that the Spirit is beyond all of those things. And so I don't know maybe what's happened in your past that you would say, you know, yeah, I'm just going to close the door to that. I want to invite us to actually open the door to the Holy Spirit, into our church, yes. But I would encourage you to think about what it would mean for you personally to open the door to the Holy Spirit in your life, to be filled with the Spirit. And say, God, I, I'm not going to try and pretend like everything's together in my house and I'm going to invite you into all of the mess. I don't even understand everything about the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the club. Nobody does, but God, I'm going to give you control over my life. I want to be naturally supernatural. I don't want to pretend to be somebody I'm not, but I don't want to live less a life less than the one that you've created me to live. And I, I want to invite you to stand. In this moment, I'm going to invite our prayer teams forward. If there's at any point during the following song or after the service that you would like to come forward and just pray for a new filling of the Holy Spirit, just to pray that you would open the doors to your heart, that God would come in and do a work in you that maybe you've closed him off, you've prevented him from doing. I'd invite you to be courageous, to be bold and say, you know what, I want more, I want more. I've closed my heart and I need to open my heart. And as we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That's what the song sings. I don't want us to just think about here as in the space. I want you to think about here as in your heart. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Change the atmosphere. Change my life. Help me to move from surviving to thriving. Breathe life into these dead bones, like Ezekiel said. Let's sing together. Let's pray together. And I invite you to come forward during the song. Maybe you don't feel comfortable during the song. Come forward after the service. We'd love to pray for you and invite the Spirit to fill you. So as I mentioned, following the service, if you'd uh, like to receive prayer, uh, we see that often in Scripture, the laying on of hands, um, just inviting the Holy Spirit to, to fill people in a naturally supernatural way. We'd love to pray for you, whatever that might look like in your life. Uh, this last summer, I was 
we as a family got to go to uh, a camp off of Vancouver Island and uh, my boys got to sail a boat neat experience for them and for me to watch them. Uh, you know, there's some pictures there of them wrestling with the sail and turning the sail. And uh, as I was thinking about the message this week, I just had this picture of a sailboat. Uh, and you're thinking about the, the pneuma of God, the spirit, the breath, the wind of God. And there's energy and effort involved to actually move a boat. Uh, but the drive and the force that actually moves the boat forward isn't, doesn't come from any person or anything. Uh, and so my boys here in the picture are just learning to, they're, they're changing the sail, they're positioning the sail so it can properly catch the wind. Uh, and part of the reason we gather each Sunday is to properly position ourselves to catch the wind of the Spirit, to be in step with the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. And so it's not a passive activity. It, it actually takes intentionality. It takes engagement. It takes time. It takes intimacy. It takes learning how to hear God's voice. Uh, but those are joyful tasks when we, when we do experience the Spirit moving us, changing us, transforming us, and taking us from one place to another. Uh, and I believe that the Spirit is moving. The Spirit is breathing. And where the Spirit is bringing you individually, but also where He's bringing Sun West corporately, won't be the same destination, the same place it's been in the past. Uh, but it will be authentically us and it will be freeing. So Holy Spirit, we open the doors to our heart. We hear you knocking. We hear your desire to come in and eat with us, to commune with us, to be in intimate relationship with you. And Lord, we just apologize for the doors that we've closed in our own hearts and our own houses. Lord, some of them, for very good reasons, we've closed those doors, maybe because of protection or because we've been hurt. Uh, but Lord, I pray that we would hear the kindness in your voice. We would hear the gentleness of your spirit, that we would hear the invitation, Lord, that is actually one that brings encouragement and joy and life and removes bitterness and allows us to actually step into the Zoe life that you've called us to live. Lord, may we joyfully open our hearts to your spirit because we believe you've created us for more. And we want to say yes and amen to that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.